On today's episode of the Auburn Football Podcast, it's all about the early signing day. Um, was it good? Was it bad? We're going to do player-by-player breakdown. Uh, we're also going to get into some other things, some uh, general recruiting things that I kind of uncovered um, unexpectedly, I guess. So we'll we'll cover that as well. But a lot to get to, and uh, thank you guys for listening as always. All right. Um, to get started, before we kind of jump into all the the stuff that I really want to get to, early signing day, the player breakdowns, recruiting in general, roster management, etc. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of things happening. Uh, coordinator change on offense. You've got Bo Nix transferring out. You've got some other guys transferring out, etc. I mean, there's just a lot going on. Um, that's really just not what today's episode is about. So. I, I don't know how much of I mean we'll, I'll talk about some of this stuff organically it'll come up you know throughout the episode but um, you know maybe that's a, a conversation for another time maybe deeper in the off season but for now for today we're really just going to kind of dive into the early signing day recruiting um, and and what I think we can expect uh, from some of these guys in this class so just kind of a um, you know just kind of lay that out before we get started but again today's episode early signing day some recruiting stuff in general what i'm what we're going to do is we're going to start um by literally doing like a um a breakdown of the class a breakdown of each player i'm not going to try to spend you know too much time because i can really get into the weeds um and i would imagine that would get boring after a while but i'm going to break everything down and then we're going to kind of talk about how this class stacks up to um you know i hate to do it but how this class stacks up to uh what you know, a typical Gus class was. I've got all the data kind of written out here of his classes from 2013 to 2020 um, and kind of trying to unpack like, okay, you know, Harson's first full class, was it uh, a success so far? Has it been a failure? Um, And just trying to put it in context where we can try to understand how how to grade these classes beyond just What's the national rank? What's the SEC rank? You know, et cetera. So that's that's today. We're going to go, um, you know, again, overall breakdown, player breakdown, and then look at just recruiting notes in general. There's some interesting, very interesting, um, st- I don't know if you say statistics, but just numbers in general that I kind of un- uncovered uh, that I didn't anticipate. So I don't know. Some of that may be stupid, but, you know, uh, we'll see. So anyway. 2022, the class, uh, as it sits right now, and there's some weird stuff in this class, but right now on 247, uh, so keep that in mind, I'm using 247 as the uh, database for where I get, you know, the rankings and stuff and such, but 13th in the country right now on 247 uh, with 18, 18 players, um, that's sixth in the SEC, all right? And, you know, you, some, some SEC schools like uh, Kentucky and Missouri had had good classes that are currently sitting above. I think Tennessee is either right there uh, above us or right behind us. But um, so kind of uncharacteristic. Um, it's like Florida's had a bad class. It's just some kind of uncharacteristic. Um, typically, we might be six, but it might be behind, you know, LSU and Florida as opposed to Missouri and Kentucky. So a little bit strange, but... Um, you know, it's kind of the nature of, of things right now with NIL and all this other stuff. So 13th and 6th, um, you've got some headliners here. Uh, really, it's kind of weird, too, because it's it's 18, but it's really minus 1 because Trey Donaldson is, is not going to play football. So um, anyway, this stuff doesn't really matter as much. We'll cover that later. But I kind of broke this down, and again, this will make sense later. I'm almost going out of order of how I did the outline today, but 
to me, there's like there's players. So basically, guys that I feel really, really solid about coming in and having a impactful career at Auburn uh, on the football field. And then there's guys that I'm just unsure about right now. It doesn't mean that I think they're bad players. I just I'm not sure about for one reason or another. Um, so how I'm going to do this is I'm going to talk about the guys that I'm a little unsure about, and then I'm going to talk about what I call the players, the guys that I feel a little bit better about. Um, I think some of these are going to surprise you on both sides. Some of the guys I'm unsure about, some of the guys that I think are players. So, um, you know, I'm always, always interested to have conversation about this kind of stuff. But to start off, um, I didn't really put the guys that I'm unsure about in any kind of order. So there's seven. So really seven out of the 17. Okay. Uh, because again, Donaldson's not counting toward football. Um, seven out of 17, I'm saying I'm unsure about right now. Okay. Um, to start it off again, no particular order. So I'm not saying, you know, this guy's the guy I'm most unsure about, but, um, Omari Kelly now spending time on Twitter message boards, etc. There's a lot of guys, a lot of Auburn fans, uh, that seem to be really high on o Omari Kelly. And I can see why you watch his film. Um, he makes a lot of plays. He catches the football. Um, he moves around. Like my kind of breakdown was, he was about right as far as athleticism and speed. You know, he's got a posted like four, five, three, forty. Good hands. Not elite route runner or catcher. Although he has good hands, um, he's very productive. Had over a thousand yards. Uh, played DB. He played Wildcat quarterback and some running back. Um, some of the concern would be lack of elite athleticism. Which, as a receiver, if you have if you lack elite athleticism, that means you have an increased need for technique and contested catches. So if you're not an absolute burner or you just don't have like elite athleticism, then you can make the assumption that you're going to have to have more contested catches because you're going to lack, you know, I, you know, the ability to separate based on your athleticism. So, um, you know, I just to me, he seems a little bit like a Kobe Hudson type, uh, which Kobe Hudson, you know, developed into our best receiver. Um, so it doesn't mean that I'm thinking that, you know, Omari Kelly's not good enough to play at this level. It's just, you know, um, I'm unsure because, I mean, obviously, he, you, know, you don't watch his tape and see like Amari Cooper where he's fast, he's got really good hands, already a good technical route runner, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, there's just some things where I feel like he's going to have to continue to get better and better at the specific stuff that make you a good receiver because he doesn't, he doesn't have elite athleticism. And to me, he doesn't have those refined skill sets yet. Um, so um, that's Omari Kelly. My, uh, Michael Riley, Riley Ducker, so MRD, his first two plays pop. Um, big frame, willing blocker. Uh, you know, the first play was literally motioning out. He's doing like a – he's blocking for a now screen. He just kills the dude. Second play was a double move, and he scores a touchdown over the shoulder catch, you know. Um, decent athleticism. He's got soft hands. So the concern here – all right, for guys I'm unsure about contributing, you know, would be, all right, didn't we just kind of see this type, you know, 6'6", 240, 250 guy that looks really good on film, Brandon Frazier, right? Like, does the athleticism translate? Brandon Frazier, you know, maybe he was reported to be dinged up and then there was COVID and all that kind of stuff, but, like, his athleticism, what you saw on film, did not translate or hasn't yet. Um, so could this be the case for this guy? It's also a crowded room. There's a lot of good tight ends. So could be harder for him to kind of carve out his, um, you know, his role on the team and become a, 
a meaningful playmaker uh, or player really uh, for Auburn. So uh, he seems like a great kid. You know, again, all this stuff is, they seem like great kids, really. This whole class seems like good kids. Um, but my concern with him is just at some point, you know, not really being able to get out on the field and make an impact uh, for some of those reasons. Um, move on to Eston Harris. Uh, good frame, knows how to be violent, generally light on his feet. The concern is, is I mean, first off, it's a developmental position. You, you, I mean, offensive line inherently you know, you needed a lot of skill refinement and, you know, really solid strength conditioning program, something that um, adapts to what the particular player needs. You know, he needs pretty much everything. If he needs overall strength. He needs to gain muscle mass and size, um, you know, continue to be a pretty athletic type guy. But, I mean, he's if he's going to play tackle, which, I, you know, most people um, project him to inside, which I think makes sense. He doesn't look like he has, like, the longest arms ever. Um, so, you know, makes sense to put him on the inside, but it's just, you know, it's hard. It's hard to look at an offensive lineman and just be like, I know for sure he's going to be awesome. Um, so that it kind of makes it to where it'd be easier to be unsure rather than sure. Uh, it sucks because right now he's the only offensive lineman in the class, but you know, I think he fits more into the unsure category than the sure category at this point. He could develop to be a really good player, uh, but we'll see. So moving on the next guy, Jay Fair. Um, highly, highly productive. Okay. Tons of stats, you know, I don't know, 1500 receiving yards, something ridiculous. Um, he's got track speed, 10, 500 type, you know, guy makes his catches. Um, so look, he, he ran a Baylor route tree, right? He, he ran post goes hitches, you know, slants, that kind of thing. That's pretty much it. Um, so you just and his size, you know, he doesn't have like a huge catch radius. Um, you know, if you kind of wanted to think about in terms of concern for him being able to become an impact player, like a true performer on this team, um, you think about like a guy like Malcolm Johnson Jr. Well, he's really fast. I think he was a four star. I mean, where is he at? You know what I mean? Um, there's just more to playing a receiver than being able to run a post and, and catch a ball over the shoulder. So, um, you know, you just don't know. You don't know. I mean, by all accounts, he's his mindset and things of that nature fit in with, like, how Harson wants to do things. So maybe he's a guy that needs a couple years in the program, and then he becomes a really good player. Um, but, you know, he's going to need to, <laughs> you know, like – work and develop a lot of skills to make him a, a receiver that can be on the field all the time. Um, so you just don't know. Nowadays, people can transfer out, you know, a year or two, go play somewhere if they're, you know, if they think it's going to take them longer to play at Auburn. So you just don't know. Um, so that's kind of a deal there. Moving on, Pal Gordon, um, you know, he's a guy that I think, um, I'll just kind of say, like, I feel the best with him as far as talking about like character like again all these guys seem like the whole class seems like good dudes and i, I actually do think harson places a very a high a level of importance on that kind of thing he always talks about people he always talks about fit all i mean you know um so but pal gordon specifically i feel the most comfortable saying you know i think his character is you know like a plus right um i think He's kind of a long term. I think I think he'll his body will continue to grow. He still just looks like young. Um, 
the the best way I can almost put this contextually is is like this is a Boise State guy. Like this is a guy when you look up and he's like a redshirt senior and he's you know six three two thirty and he's roaming around the middle of the field and he's I mean he's just racking up you know one hundred and thirty tackles in a season and he's going to be like a you know fourth round pick because he's He's not the off-the-charts athletic guy, but he's just a great football player, and he plays in the NFL for five or six years. Like, I could see this being that type of guy. The concern is, is you know, he's undersized as of now. The position, you know, translating from basically just being an edge guy to playing in the middle and figuring all that out, you know, and is he just good enough? Like, is this like Josh Marsh, you know, like a guy who you can kind of see the traits, you know, 4'5", 40, he's athletic, he's physical, he's a good tackler, but, like, is it gonna is it gonna happen? Um, so that would be the concern there. Um, I think it will. I just all this too kind of depends on does Harson make it? Like, does this whole long term plan and all this stuff like does it does it does it pan out? You know, or all these guys could be out of the program. I mean, who knows, man? Who knows? But um, I think if you know if Harson ends up working out, I feel like Power Gord will work out too. But um, Anyway, moving on, Wooden, um, Colby Wooden's little brother, is it Caleb? I think it's Caleb. Uh, Wooden, so playmaker stats, I mean, he stuffs, I mean, he's, he's interception, he's forced fumble, he's recover fumble, he's touchdowns. I mean, he's 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 making plays. And that's a good thing. I mean, uh, to me, that kind of thing is like a have it or you don't type thing. And it's really hard to, um, outside of just having stats, it's, it's hard to, like, quantify that uh very sophisticatedly i guess or um consistently he just seems like he's a playmaker he's a really good football player he's got a good bloodline he's got really good size the concern for him is like speed and athleticism for the position so you think about a guy like smoke monday you know is smoke monday a good football player yeah he's he's an awesome football player but he's you know for the position that he plays you really need to be really fast and really athletic, meaning you need to be able to move around in space and have good coordination and, and you know, not get, you know, off balance in one step because then, you know, these guys are by you in one step. Um, so it's that type of concern, you know, with his size and the position he plays safety. Is he going to be able to cover people at this level? You know, you just don't know. Um so moving on from him, you talk about Sledge. He's huge. He's strong. He's quick. You know, all that's cool. Uh, the concern is, again, developmental position. The lines, I mean, that, you know, that's tough. It's the most important positions, but they are developmental positions, meaning, like, guys have to come in, and they're going to need some time. I and mean, we talk about, you know, Lee Hunter, Dylan Brooks, uh, guys like that. Like, you, it's, you know, Derek Brown came in and started playing. Carl Lawson came in and started playing, but – you know, for the most part, these are positions that, and even those guys, like, were they better in year two, year three, year four? Yeah, like, heck yeah. So these are developmental positions. You just don't know. They're going to need strength and conditioning. They're going to need time. Um, so you just don't know. You know, you just don't know. They, they need to have the right mindset. They need to, you know, wake up early, go to workouts, all this kind of stuff. It's just going to take time. So you just don't know. Um, but he's got some good traits. So those are the guys that, you know, if I was to break it down between guys I feel really solid and comfortable out about at some point at Auburn having a career being on you know kind of the two deep and, and producing um, and the guys that at, at this point is like well they could they could they or they could not they could they could you know end up not being a part of the program um, in a couple of years just for lack of playing time or lack of development 
et cetera, et cetera. It's just so many things. Um, think about last year, like, and we'll talk about some of these guys, but think about last year, I mean, how Presley was a guy was like, oh, man, this guy's going to be a stud. And he, he never even reported to Auburn. He just, like, basically dipped out, went to Baylor. So um, sometimes you just never know. You're planning on a guy being a good player and um, doesn't even come to campus. So these are some of the guys I'm unsure about. Uh, we'll talk about the players. Now, again, the players are kind of – it's kind of the line that I'm drawing saying, you know what, if I had to bet um, on guys in the class sticking around Auburn – getting on the field and, and being, you know, um, contributors, you know, being contributors, being guys that make an impact during their time at Auburn and even staying maybe three or four years, you know, I mean, that's the thing, like, I don't know, it'll be interesting to look back over the next three or four years and see what, what percentage of guys, uh, signed with a class and then ended up staying there until they either went pro or, you know, ended their playing career. Um, but these are the 10 guys that I feel best about, and I am going in order here, all right? So this first guy it would be like number 10, basically, of guys that I feel very confident in that they will have a career at Auburn and be, and be you know, productive members, basically, of the football team, uh, guys that will make a difference. Number 10 for me is uh, Robert Woodyard, and, you know, he's good. He's athletic. Um, he played multiple positions. I mean, he's out there playing running backs, playing receiver. Um, you know, he's, he's doing all kind of stuff. He's, he's making interceptions. You've got Antonio Coleman as his he, uh, assistant, or excuse me, Antonio Coleman as his defensive coordinator. His head coach has made a bunch of comments about him. Uh, he's from Mobile. Obviously, he was, you know, he was committed to Alabama. Um, you know, from all this stuff that I've kind of looked at, it does. It doesn't look like at the end Alabama was using um, in homes on him. However, you know Jeffrey Lee reported that he committed to Auburn like November sixteenth. So maybe that's why, because before that last little period, he may have already been committed to Auburn. So maybe Alabama didn't waste time on it because of that. So I mean, who knows? Um, so to say we flipped him from Alabama, who knows? I think he's good. Um, the concern is is he's he's really not overly explosive. So when I saw like his size and kind of what people were, were saying about him, you know, he's kind of six one, two twenty ish. All right. So if you think about high school, you automatically go to like to me, I went to like KJ Britt. Um and KJ Britt was a guy who was a downhill, you know, he was a run stopper. He wasn't, you know, a pass rusher type. He wasn't great in pass coverage, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Woodyard is kind of strange for me on film because, okay, he's playing running back, he's playing receiver, he's athletic, he's making interceptions, but he's really not, like, overly explosive. He's not, you know, and it, it doesn't seem like he's, like, K.J. Britt downhill, and it doesn't seem like he's, you know, Owen Popo in high school, which was just superbly athletic and you know he'll figure out the rest of it <laughs> he's he's not really either one of those um it almost seems to me that like he's not having to try hard that's what the film kind of looks like he's just kind of he's playing around you know whatever so one of my questions was like will he rise to the occasion um you know he he's gonna be in a position where if he comes in with the right mentality and mindset, there's no there's no reason that he shouldn't be on the field next year. It doesn't mean he's going to start, but I mean you're losing Zacoby, who basically played every snap this year, 
and I, he's so underrated, by the way. Like, I know Auburn fans, we say that and we we think we know that, but like in the Alabama game, okay, he literally ran over their center or guard. I'm talking about ran, like met him in the hole. I think it was like a zone play. Knocked him on his butt and then made the tackle. So he's six foot two twenty or so as Kobe is. Everybody thinks he's too small, but he's literally he's pretty good at shedding blocks and making tackles in between the tackles. And he's 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 faster and more athletic than Owen is. He is, and he's a really good tackler and he hits really hard. Um, so I just I think he's he's vastly underrated. I hate it for him. I hope he gets drafted higher than what it seems like he might get drafted, but either way, I think he'll be a good NFL uh, NFL linebacker. Like, he's better than Owen is right now, and I think people assume that Owen is better because he was a five-star, but um, hopefully Owen comes back and has a better year next year, but we'll see. Anyway, um, my point was, Zacoby's gone, played every snap. Owen is reportedly coming back. Um, Chandler Wooten's gone. So, I mean, those three guys right there are basically the only three guys that played all year. I mean, I know Steiner got in some, you know, right, whatever, but those are basically the three guys that played. So you're only have one of those guys come back. You've got Steiner, you've got Tisdall, you've got Riley, you've got some of these guys that have been waiting. You've got Joko Willis. Uh, I would imagine they'll probably go to the portal to get another linebacker. Um, but either way, you've got a four-star guy, Woodyard. I think he's the highest-rated guy in the class on 247. He was a you know quote-unquote Alabama flip. If there was a guy that has an opportunity to play in this class, it's going to be him. Um, the reason he kind of crossed this line from unsure to players for me is I just don't think the coaches will allow him to fail. Um, you know, again, Antonio Coleman kind of being a guy for him that you know brought him back and forth to Auburn all this year. Um, I just think there's going to be enough holding him in to ensure that he does the things he needs to do to to be a guy who plays. So that's why he kind of crossed over um, the threshold to being a player for me. So that was number 10, Robert Woodyard. Number nine, Damari Austin, um, literally the assistant to the recruiting coordinator this year. is absolutely incredible, um, active on Twitter. I know I'm sure they were texting. Uh, he was texting guys, trying to get him in the class. Um, so, you know, great ambassador for Auburn. Um, you know, off the field, it seems like an alpha leader if you watch film and kind of pay attention. Um, you can just tell that the his team is – is it, they follow him, you know, and it gives a little bit of that Sean Shivers vibe um, of the type of guy that he is. So I think, I think, that, I think that means something. It's – I don't think he's ever going to be late for a workout. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I think he's he's going to be that guy. Um, and that you just want a lot of guys like that. And I think there's a bunch of guys like that in this class. I think Micah Riley Ducker is a guy like that. Uh, I think Jay Fair is probably a guy like that, although quiet. Um, Powell Gordon's never going to be late to a workout, you know, some of these guys. But uh, Damari, alpha leader, as far as on the field, he's got, you know, good vision, good change of direction, agility. His balance is good. He's sturdy. He's not fast, you know. I mean, that's a concern is, is speed. Um, at the end of the day, okay, the reason he is a player is because he's good enough, and it's just not that hard to contribute at that position. Um, to me, he's kind of like a DJ Williams, okay. Hand the ball off to him. He'll probably do a good enough job reading it and getting, you know, four or five yards. Is he going to bust long runs and jump over people like Jarko S. Hunter did last year? Probably not, um, but he's good. So, like, you know, it's not that big a deal. You don't have to have 
the you know these tank basically you have to have a few guys that are you know just good good players and he's going to be a good player so he'll see the field he'll probably see the field next year depending on who else we bring in to the running back room um so like him the next guy on the list so this would be number eight um camden brown camden brown um a few months ago you know when he like got an offer i think at auburn's camp um you know he kind of under recruited guy was committed to pit uh, you go watch his junior highlights. It's not super impressive, really. It's okay, but it's not like super impressive. And at the time, you know, we we all thought all these, you know, all his spawners thought that uh, Darius Clemens was a, a pretty strong, you know, um, pretty strong likelihood that we were going to be able to pull him in. Darius Clemens now, I mean, look, that guy's a freak. It sucks we didn't get him. He's going to Michigan. He's you know similar size. Both these guys, kind of six three ish, around two hundred pounds type you know, guys, Darius is probably a little bit bigger. Darius is a lot faster, uh, a lot faster. I mean, Darius is really good, man. If, if, it, if it doesn't pan out for him, it's not because of his ability on the field. I'll just say that. Like, he's really good. Um, but about Camden Brown, the more I followed the recruitment and, and kind of got to know some of his stuff, and we'll talk about, like, his family and stuff, but, you know, I watched more and more of his film. I like him. Like, I like him a lot. Um, he's an aggressive route runner. He's an aggressive catcher, okay? Like he's 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 like going and grabbing the ball out of the air, and he doesn't care where the ball is, who else is around it. He's going and grabbing the ball. He runs routes with leverage, and, and one thing is is you know he's not a four three guy. I think he's like four five four six guy, okay? Well, if you're four five four six guy, and we talked about this with Amari Kelly, if you're four five four six guy. What do you have to do? Well, you have to understand how to, you know, run routes really, really well, and you have to make contested catches to be a good receiver. Um, the guy I think about, and look, I'm not saying he's going to be this good, but the guy I think about with Cannon Brown is DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is a four or five guy. All right, DeAndre Hopkins doesn't always create create really good separation. Now, sometimes he does because he's a really good route runner. He's an aggressive route runner, but he doesn't always do that. But Dagummit, he catches the ball. And he's aggressive when he catches the ball. And I think Camden Brown is is that type mold. Um, the family stuff with him, man, I mean, he lost a, um, a sister. And, you know, by, by just what he said about it, you know, this it was like, you know, his world. Like, she was super important to him. She's, he's going to be playing for her. And, um, you know, I think he's from Louisiana, but he played in South Florida. So, I just – all these things kind of adding up, I, I feel like I kind of have a decent understanding of who he is personality-wise. I just think he's going to come in. He's always going to have a chip on his shoulder, and I think he's really going to – I think he's going to do what it takes. Um, now, concerns, all that being said, wide receivers and their personalities, okay? I mean, that typically – and, I mean, that was my position. That was That's a position group that I've coached. It just is what it is. Wide receivers typically are the most kind of diva group. Now, again, not saying anything about like that towards Camden Brown, but you just never know. Um, you know, being away from home with his family and all that kind of South Florida. I mean, you just you just never know, okay? But if all that stuff, and again, I think his family will be a support system. I think Harson and them will will you know take care of him. Um, I think he's going to end up being really, really good, man. Like really good, and I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, might be our second or third option at receiver as the season goes on next year, depending on if we bring in, you know, 
a more experienced, uh, talented dude, which we could do. And I, I mean, I think we probably should do, but I just, I think a lot of this dude and I think he's going to be really good. So he was number, number 10, not eight for me. Number seven, I kind of cheated seven, six, and five. I put them all in the same group. Look, JD Rim, Austin Osbury, uh, Keontae Scott, uh, it is Austin Osbury, right? Yeah. Um, it's hard to just, I mean, it's hard to like tweeze out the differences. They don't all look the same. Like to me, uh, Rim and Osbury have elite size. Like if they both end up playing, you know, outside corner, they would have elite. I mean, they're, they're like 6'1", 6'2", 190, 200 range. You think about, um, Nehemiah Pritchett type size, uh, Keontae Scott, I think is probably a little smaller, but he actually seems to be, have more like athleticism and speed than the other two, uh, in Rim and Osbury. So, um, you know, they're a little bit different styles. Um, all play the ball fairly well. Uh, they look like they're decent enough tacklers and, you know, physical. Rim and Osbury, their film is weird. Like they, they have, um, you know, put together junior films, but their senior films are all just like game by game and it, there's not a lot of like plays in there. So it's kind of hard to really get a, a really good look. Um, Keontae, obviously the, the number one Juco corner, um, or excuse me, is that right? Yeah, he's number one Juco corner. And I think he was, he's either first or second team Juco All-America. Gilbert and Embo were, you know, first or second team. I know Embo was first team, but uh, anyway. Um, you know, the only concern with really these three guys is just like them showing up and then being as good as advertised, like what their film says and what their evaluations say, you know, from what our coaches do, um, you know, them just showing up and it's like, okay, that's the guy that I recruited. That's the guy that I thought I saw on film. That's the guy that I saw when I went and watched this game, um, all that kind of stuff. Now, everybody thinks these guys are going to be that good. So, they should be. Osbury, you know, his dad was some kind of LSU guy, maybe in the athletic department. JD Rim, I mean, he's got an awesome name. He's from Louisiana. He's got, you know, cool hair. He looks like he's super smooth. Um, Keontae Scott kind of already proven himself a bit. Um, and there was a story about him that I thought was cool. It was something like, um, you know, out of high school, he didn't sign because his grades and his buddy signed and he was all down on himself and he kind of made a promise to himself like, okay, I'm going to do what, it, you know, what I have to do. I'm going to be elite, you know, on the field, but in the classroom as well. So you got to think he's going to come in and do what he's supposed to do to, to, to produce. So feel good about all three of those guys. Okay. Um, so that was seven, six and five. So number four, uh, Gilbert, the safety man, he, I think he's just going to be really good. He is super physical. I mean, he's tackling people in their face. Um, he'll get probably, unless they change the rules, he'll get ejected because of targeting at some point, I'm sure. But, I mean, what can you do? Um, on his film in Juco, again, number one Juco safety, uh, played a lot of man. He even played corner, like outside corner. Um, so, you know, that to me is – it just it helps. You know, like if you're, if you're a safety and you just have never done that, then – you know, at times throughout the games, throughout the season, seasons, um, when you're put in those situations, because you're going to be at some point, zero blitz, you get matched up with somebody in the slot or you just whatever it is, pattern matching, whatever. There's this, there's going to be a point where you have to cover somebody, you know, whether it's man-to-man -man or zone. At some point, there's going to be a point when you have to cover somebody, you know, 
on the field. And so he's done a lot of that, which is good. Uh, that gives him good experience. He reminds me a bit of like Mike McNeil back in the day um, or like the, the Florida safety from 2019. I didn't bother to look his name up, but, you know, he picked Bo off on that like wheel route. Um, you know, I think he's just going to be really good. I think to me what what he looks like is a guy that could be, you know, third, fourth round draft pick. But if he if he has really good like tests, testing you know if he runs like a four five or you know high four fours um and he puts some good stuff on film you know maybe he's a first second round pick but i think he's i think he's definitely if he comes in and just does kind of what his film shows that he's going to do i think he's at least going to be like a third or fourth round draft pick for us that's pretty good you know um i i, I already think he he covers better than like smoke and jamie sherwood you know, those guys, um, you know, last year, like Zion Puckett seems like he covers pretty well. Uh, Knighton was disappointing to me. Um, so I, I think he's going to be kind of an immediate upgrade to what we've seen the last few years as far as being a cover safety. Um, obviously, the physical part and the tackling part, he's already got that down. Most of our safeties always have. But I think he's going to be able to cover better than what we've seen, which is which is really nice. Uh, the only concern with him is just adjusting to the SEC, but I think he'll do that. So I think he's going to be really good. Uh, so that's why he's number four. Number three, Jeffrey Imba, Thanos himself. Um, now, this is probably too high, okay? Um, it's probably too high. I think everybody's probably too high on him, and again, myself included. But dadgummit, man, 6'6", 300, he's so huge, he's fast. Like, some of these highlights on his film don't even end with him, like, making a play or a tackle, but they just show him running full speed, and it really is so freaking impressive. It's incredible. Um, he's strong. He has awesome hair. It's, like, afro kind of, but, like, spray-painted blue. Um, you had that awesome video going around of Harson and uh, Bedell when, they, when he committed to him and just, like, dapping up and hugging and all that. I mean, it's just awesome. So he's awesome. He's French. Um, that could be a concern. Who knows? But, you know, it's just cool. He's a cool dude, man. Um, if nothing else, he should be able to capitalize on his name, image, and likeness and make some money. So, uh, I mean, obviously the concern, little experience. He's only played a few years. Um, you know, what is his true physicality like? You know, Derek Brown was a bully. <laughs> I mean, like, Derek Brown was a good football player because – he was able, and I know Davidson was the guy that said this about like, you know, I get to hit people and, and, you know, not get in trouble or whatever, but Derek Brown is truly a bully. He enjoys like, just like physically dominating other men. And, uh, that sounded weird, but Derek Brown, like literally enjoyed beating up on people. Does Imba have that same type of nastiness to him? I don't know. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really show up on film, but what does show up on film is just his his traits, and to me, you gotta assume that Eason will figure it out and and get, you know, if not the most out of him, he'll get enough out of him to where you know <laughs> he'll be uh, he'll be good. So uh, excited about him. He's number three. Number two for me, and if you are kind of doing the mental math, you're you're probably seeing who might be number one, which is a little bit cheese. But uh, number two for me is Holden Kariner. All right. I love Holden Gariner. Um Look, I mean, Harson even said this, and people say this. They, they, the first thing that people go to are his arm. He's a strong arm. He's a big kid. He's a strong arm. Okay, look, playing quarterback, it just doesn't like Jamarcus Russell. I, I mean, if I cared to, I could do more research and rattle off a hundred guys that had good arms that 
can't play in the NFL, okay? Having a big arm should not be the first thing that you care about when you're evaluating a quarterback. To me, and I know, like, I listen to Todd McShay and some of these guys, like, they talk about accuracy and anticipation and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and, like, you know, pocket movement, things like that. Well, those are the things he is excellent at, okay? Like, his being, okay? He is a calm, he's, you know, quiet, confident. Um, he's He's got poise. He... I, I, you know, some things that whether it's podcasts that he did or maybe just interviews, whatever he talked so much about, like his junior year. I think he was disappointed in, or maybe it was his sophomore year. He was disappointed in like his touchdown interception ratio. So he worked on that his junior year, and he talked a lot about studying defenses and understanding what defenses were trying to do. And then, you know, what, what I always say is having answers to the test, and that's what Joe Burrow, which is kind of my comp for him always talked about is having the answers to the test, knowing what the defense was going to do and understanding exactly how with the play call, with the design, or even changing the play call, whatever, but knowing what to do to take advantage of whatever the defense is trying to do. Um, understanding pass concepts. Like if you watch Holden stuff, you know, they run some RPO, okay? And Joe Burrow did a lot of that at LSU, but they run a lot of like mesh, true mesh concept. You got the two guys meshing, you got the guy running, running kind of that hook over the ball at 10, um, and literally you're just reading the triangle a lot of times, especially if it's zone coverage. And, dude, I mean, he's he's anticipating holes in zone coverage. He's zipping it in in tight windows. I mean, he's – dude, his – I mean, it just looks really good. Um, I love how he is in the pocket. He's calm. He's slow and methodical. He moves well in the pocket. He's physical enough. You know, again, Joe Burrow did s things from time to time where you had to go get um, – five or six yards with his legs and he'll try to run over somebody, you know, that kind of fun stuff. Um, look, he's a state champ, great stats. I think he threw 50 something or 60 something touchdowns and like three picks all year. Senior year is ridiculous. I think, I don't know, man, I don't want to say he's going to be the best Auburn quarterback if it all worked out well, um, like of all time. But I think, I think he could be. I think again, a lot of this stuff depends on Harson making it and everything kind of lining up. But Garner has some traits that we haven't seen an Auburn quarterback have in a long time. You know, Stidham didn't have it. Bo sure as hell didn't have it. Um, I mean, I don't even remember who guys were. What Jeremy Johnson, Sean White, like, dude, this guy has some stuff that we haven't seen in a very long time. A little bit more like you know, senior year Jason Campbell. Um, so. We'll see. The only concern about him is, again, just the program as a whole, players around him, offensive line. Um, you know, if he came in and ended up being the starter as a true freshman, which I don't think, you know, I don't think Harson would, would prefer that. Um, but if he came in and started as a true freshman, do we have enough around him to, to make him successful? I don't know, you know, but I love his, I love his film. I love his stats. Um, so I'm really high on him. I think he could be very, very good. So he's number two. Number one is the kicker. Okay. McPherson, he's a stud. He's going to start day one. However long he wants to be at Auburn and us paying for his school, he can kick and, and be great. So I don't, you know, no more breakdown on that other than he's the number one guy that I feel very sure about coming in and, and being like very productive, uh, for Auburn while he plays here. So that is the complete player-by-player player breakdown. Hope that didn't go too long. How long? Oh, God, 40 minutes. Um, so, yeah, I have one more little segment here that I wanted to do, and this is kind of like general recruiting stuff. Um, so I'll take a break real quick, drink some water, and I'll come right back. All right, I'm going to try my best to be quick and efficient with this. 
this could be so convoluted. I, I generally try to go back and listen to this stuff afterwards and see, you know, if it was good or bad. So I don't, this might be terrible, but we'll see. So what I wanted to do was, okay, we've got one full class now with Harson, the 2022 classes, and it's not even full yet because we've only gone through one signing day, but just, you know, trying to put it in context, like, okay, is he doing a good job? Is he doing a bad job relative to the guy we just fired, Gus Malzahn, okay? Um, so what I, where I kind of got to was, all right, let's look at the class ranking, the total class ranking and the uh, conference, you know, SEC ranking. And then what I want to do is, okay, you got how many guys enrolled? Was it, you know, 25, 26, whatever. How many of those guys were just inconsequential signings? And inconsequential would be a guy that transferred, a guy that never really played. Um, I mean, you know, just guys that, you know, you just never really did anything, uh, you know, for Auburn. So, that's kind of, and we'll work through the rest of this. Let's just let's just roll. So, 2013. Now, 2013, Gus's class was kind of like 2021 Harson. So it was you know coaching change, and he came in. Now, back then they didn't have the early signing day, so you kind of benefited from having you know a month or two to recruit right before you sign. So I mean you know whatever. But uh, they were 10th overall, sixth in the SEC. That was the class that had uh, Montrevious and Carl Lawson. I'm really not grading that. Uh, as much just because again that wasn't his like truly his first true class so 2014 was um on paper good class sixth overall fourth in the conference again that's coming off you know a, a national championship appearance that was rock thomas uh trey williams Braden smith duke williams all right so you had 27 enrollees of the 27 14 of those okay so just over half were inconsequential and now i could pull those up i think i had them and I don't, I don't want to go through every single thing. All right, let's see. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Just to see if I can kind of lay out where my, like how I'm how I'm grading if it's inconsequential. Okay, Rock Thomas is one. Uh, Justin Thornton, two. Calvert's percent three. Lambert, four. I know he played a little bit, but Lambert, four. Ah, eh, that's probably not fair. Let's go Moncrief, four. I feel okay with that. Uh, Jaquel Mitchell. I mean, that's terrible. RIP that, you know, five. Joseph Turner, six. I think he ended up going to AM. Myron Burton, seven. Chris Slay, eight. Um, Tavaro Lawrence, I think I'm feel good, nine. Kenyon, Rashad Kenyon, 10. Markel Boston, 11. Hunter Wood, 12. Michael Sherwood, 13. So I don't know, maybe 14 was a little bit high, but I had 14, okay? So over half were inconsequential. But you can kind of see when, when me giving those names out of where my line is drawn, okay, on inconsequential. So um, that was 2014. 2015, you had eighth in the country, fifth in the SEC. That was Byron Cowart, Karen Johnson, Javon Robinson, Prince Tega, Jeff Holland. So uh, 28 enrollees, six inconsequential. That was that was maybe the best class um, during his tenure, just as far as signing a bunch of guys and most of them panning out. Obviously, Byron Cowart, the highest-rated recruit in the history of Auburn, never did anything. Um, 2016, ninth overall, fifth in the SEC. Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson, Nate Craig Myers, Antoine Jackson or Johnson. He transferred to Ohio State. Kyle Davis, you know. So 23 enrollees, 14 it's consequential. So I will pull that one up real quick. So that's 2016. So this would be the worst class in terms of um, in terms of your guys panning out. Now, you had Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson, so you know, wasn't that bad, right? But think about this. I'm counting Nate Craig matters, okay? 
I'm counting Antoine Jackson, Kyle Davis, uh, Prince Sammons, Woody Barrett, Landon Rice, John Broussard. I mean, I would count Cam Martin, but you probably wouldn't, so let's not do that. Uh, Paul James, uh, John Franklin, I'm counting. That's nine. Marlon Character, 10. Trey Threat, 11. Javon Myers, 12. Stephen Davis Jr., 13. Malik Miller was terrible, 14. Marquise McLean, 15. Okay, so that's 15. I think I, I had 14. So, I mean, we signed 23. 14 or 15 of those were inconsequential. We had Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson. We had Eli Stowe, some of these other guys. But, dude, you, I mean, that's that's pretty crazy, all right? Uh, 2017, ninth in the country, fourth in the SEC. That was Calvin Ashley, Stidham, uh, TD Moultrie, Brahms. We signed 21. Depending on where your line is, personally, six-plus of those inconsequential. That ratio is not bad. We'll talk more about that in a second. 2018, 12th in the country, but that was actually third in the SEC, just to you know show you how sometimes that can be weird. Uh, Joey Gatewood, Matthew Hill, Coinus Miller, uh, Harold Joyner. Those were the top four. All right, rated guys in the class. Not one of them did anything, basically, for Auburn. Uh, 23 signees, 10-plus, depending, again, where your, your line is, inconsequential. So not not great. Um, 2019, 11th in the country, 6th in the SEC. Owen Popo, Bo Nix, uh, Charles Moore, Mark Anthony Rither, Richards, Jaron Handy. All right, so obviously Popo and Nix. Uh, ironically, Nix transferred, but the other three guys didn't do anything for Auburn. Okay. Uh, 21 signees, 10 inconsequential. Okay, easy math, about 50%. 2020, 7th in the country, 5th in the SEC. Again, just goes to show you sometimes that can be a lot different. Uh, Tank, Zykevis Walker, Wesley Steiner, Hardy, and Kobe Hudson. So you had 27 guys, 13 plus of those inconsequential. Some of the, you know, jury's still out on some of them. Obviously, we had a coaching change. That's relevant. But again, um, so. In general, what we had is during that time, okay, 13 through 20, 170 signees, 73 of those were inconsequential by my math. All right, that's 43%. 43% of all of our signees during that time were inconsequential. Okay, so here's where it gets kind of head tingly. All right, I'm going to try to make this make sense as much as possible. First off, I wanted to see, okay, look, that's our stuff. I feel like that's bad, but is it actually bad? What can I use to try to gain some context or some some you know reference, basically? So what I did, and look, again, I've said this before, comparing anything we do to what Alabama does at this point is probably not fair. Um, Nick Saban's the best coach of all time, college football. This is probably the best run a program. No, it's definitely the best run a program has ever had. So it's not fair, okay? But for me, I know their roster uh, – better than anybody else's in college football except for Auburn's. So for me to kind of do this math, I needed to pick somebody that I knew. So what I did was I just put up a random year. I put up 2015 Alabama signing class. All right, they were one in the nation, one in the SEC. They signed 24. I counted 10 of those dudes uh, that were inconsequential, whether they never really played or transferred out. And I feel pretty, pretty good about that math. That's 42%. So again, I said 43% was our average uh, with Gus of inconsequential players. Theirs was 42%. So maybe that's not super far off, you know, as far as nature of college football goes. Here's some more math. 22 guys on each side of the field really are your relevant players. 22 guys on offense, 22 guys on defense. That's your general two deep. You have players like quarterback, you know, positions like quarterback and, you know, safety a lot of times that play a lot more than others. Um, but I think that's pretty easy. That's 44 total players. If you add in another 
10. I don't know why. I guess I added in 11. If you add in another 11, okay, and that's, you know, specialist and just guys that, you know, just other guys. I'm just trying to be kind of conservative here. Um, add in another 11, that's 55. Okay, so really what you could say is 55 out of your 85 scholarship spots are the only, are really what matters. You got to have 55 dudes. Now, obviously, there's injuries, and sometimes you need to go deeper than that, but really, okay, 55 of the 85 are really the only dudes that matter. The other guys aren't playing. So that's 35% of your scholarship rosters are inconsequentials, in, inconsequential. So, again, 30 out of 85 are inconsequential, all right? So more math, and again, you know, Auburn was 43% over that time, inconsequential. Alabama in 2015 was 42%. So 43 and 42 to 35%, that kind of that kind of makes sense, okay? A little bit more math. This is kind of dumb math. Maybe the, all this is dumb. Kind of dumb math. If you look at, okay, you got 85 scholarship spots, right? If you just divide that by four, the closest number basically is 21, okay? So 21 over four. So basically, if you think about, Again, I'm trying to generalize this as much as possible, but if you think about a roster right now, you've got seniors, juniors, sophomores, freshmen. Again, I know it's more complicated than that, but just generally breaking it down, if you think about 21 in each class, okay? All right, so if you think about 21 in each class times four, that's 84, that's the you know, closest general math you can get. Okay, so if you need 55 players, and I was kind of doing this earlier with our class, if you need 55 guys that can play, all right, 55 guys that make the difference between, you know, winning and losing games, you know, winning a national championship, if it's 55 guys, that's 14 players from each cycle, okay, 14 players from each recruiting cycle. Nowadays, if you're going to assume that you're going to get, on average, five transfers, okay, five transfers, that basically leaves 16 signees each cycle if you're going to get to 21 now again okay and even this year there's going to be years where you sign a lot more than 21 because you lost more from the previous year okay but i'm just again i'm trying to make this general so if you assume five transfers at least 16 signees so that means of the 16 signees just using the math nine of those 16 are going to be players seven of those 16 are going to be inconsequential guys okay so nine players, seven inconsequentials from your high school signees, all right? Well, from what we just went through, okay, in 2022, I said, you know, nine or 10, depending on where you feel about Woodyard. So that's about right. And we signed 17, which is also about right. We'll probably sign, you know, some more. Again, we're losing more than 21 this year. Um, as of now, 17 are gone from 21. You, you can easily expect 21 to 25 gone from last year's team. All right, so you know you're going to sign more. You're going to bring in more than 21 guys. Um, the Kind of the decent way to look at that, I guess, is – let's see. See, now I'm confusing myself. Okay, here we go. Here we go. All right. So we need six to 10 more guys, okay, right? So we've signed, we brought in 17 right now. So 17 plus six is 23, plus 10 is 27. I think that'll probably be about what we need, six to 10 more guys, four to six more players. Well, the good news is, and just looking at last year, okay, we brought in nine transfers. Somewhere between four and five of those guys were players, all right? I, you know, 
how, how do you feel about how do you rate Demetrius Robertson? Well, he's not good, but he played a lot, right? T.J. Finley, kind of the same way. Uh, even uh, Knighton, you know, Darius Miller what, hasn't been a player yet. So just depends on how you're rating them. Um, but we we need six to ten more guys, four to six more players uh, to bring in between now and when we start playing ball next year, okay? Um, if you want to break that down, I would say we probably bring in a quarterback transfer, uh, one to two receivers, three plus offensive linemen. I mean, legitimately, I don't know. And we'll do more offseason stuff, but the offensive line is, I mean, if you haven't like sat down and looked at it, it is scarier than you think it is. It's not good. Um, so three plus offensive linemen you're going to need between, I mean, maybe you bring in one or two high school guys. I mean, but you're going to need two or three transfers, I would think, man. So who knows what they're going to do there. Uh, one edge, I know they're recruiting a really good one right now. Um, but, you know, you really only have, you know, I really hope Derek Hall didn't leave, but you really only have Brooks, Leota, uh, and Height, you know, if you do lose Hall. If, even if you get Hall back, that's, you know, two on each side if you're in like a, you know, pass rushing um, personnel package. So you're going to need at least an edge, um, maybe a defensive lineman just for depth. A linebacker, I would say, and then a safety specifically. I don't know that you really need like another corner, uh, but you probably do need another safety just because at this point, you know, Amari Hari transferred out. Um, you've got Zion Puckett, who I like a lot, and you've got Gilbert, who I like a lot, and then you've got, you know, um, Kaufman. I thought he did not play well this year, and he's kind of a nickel safety. Um, you've got other guys that are young, like Caden Bridges, who I love, you know, his film coming out of high school who knows i mean who knows where he's at so it probably helped to bring in one more safety all right so those are you guys one quarter quarterback uh, one or two receivers as many offensive linemen as you can bring in one edge one defensive lineman one linebacker one safety something like that all right between high school and transfers a lot of them being transfers but you got to go find four to six more players all right i think they can do that and if you do that then to me just by my math and how i'm looking at all this you're you're on track because you need 55 okay so how i'm grading this you know kind of makes sense um, we didn't really talk a lot about 2021 class kind of bounced around and went out of order here, but, um, you know, and really just, yeah. So 2021, I mean, we talked about all the different things. So 19th in the country, seventh in the sec, um, you had Brooks and Lee Hunter and Amari Harvey, uh, D Davis and Marquise Robinson, kind of your top guys. Um, right now, three plus of those are inconsequentials. I would expect seven to eight, you know? inconsequential guys and uh you know so far the players i think dylan brooks is going to be good still i think lee hunter is still going to be good marquise robinson actually played this year so that's good tavarish dawson i still think highly of and you have guys that actually play like landon king jarquez hunter uh you know joko willis made an awesome tackle on kickoff i think he'll be you know should be good and then i would say one of between colby smith and Langlow. i don't think both of them are going to hit but i would you know, hopefully hopefully one of them does um so anyway, if you add those guys, which I think is fair, um, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, again, counting one between Smith and Langlow, plus five transfers, that's 13 players. So last year, they brought in 13 players. Players meaning, you know, again, like guys that are good, that are adding into this 55 number. Well, again, what's the number each year? 14. So last year, I think they brought in 13. So that's kind of how I'm looking at all this. You gotta have 14 each each year, each class to bring in. Um, that way, you're hitting your your target. So, 
Last year they were one off. This year, if they can make that up, bring in 15 or 16 guys that are players, then then that would be good. But I don't know if that made any sense. That may have been the worst segment of uh, podcast history. Um, who knows? But that's that's some weird kind of maybe that's like transitive property weird stuff that doesn't actually make any sense. Who knows? Um, but as I was going through this, I didn't you know I didn't anticipate kind of going this route and and looking at it this way. But it's just kind of what happened. So. I don't know. Maybe that's right. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's in between. Maybe that made no sense at all. But um, I think it makes it makes sense to me, you know. And I'm making the podcast. So anyway, um, this was a long one today. If you listened all the way through, I appreciate it. Um, you know, not doing this for clout or money. It's just something I'm gonna do anyway. So might as well put it out. But as always, appreciate you listening. And uh, until next time, y'all be good.